the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the third hour of the Stephen Tubbs Show. Matt Dunn on board today. Just honored to be the guest host. Doing my best to uh, just share the good word as, as I happen to come up with it today. Some of it worthwhile even, I like to think. I normally host Backbone Radio on Sundays here, 4 to 7 p.m., you do want to try to add that to your Sunday. And the podcast, of course, is always out there. And the at Backbone Radio on Twitter. And I was just looking at Twitter during the break. Elon Musk put out a tweet. He says, comedy is now legal on Twitter. <laughs> and you just, it's good times. Elon Musk purchased Twitter. He freed the bird. And, oh, what a just wasteland Twitter has been in so many ways. I mean, you have to work really hard to navigate Twitter in recent years to get the good information, penetrate the propaganda. And, uh, again, the people in power, they have no sense of humor. They're so serious about power, power, that they just can't laugh about anything. And they get uncomfortable when people like the Babylon Bee crack really funny jokes. So Elon Musk shows up and says this, yeah, comedy is now legal on Twitter. That is really good tidings. It's going to be a fun adventure because the people in power, they do not want free speech. Oh, they don't. And there's some news that top companies plan to pull all ads from Twitter if new CEO Elon Musk reinstates former President Donald Trump's account. That's somehow mentioned in the Wall Street Journal. And I like with Shem Horn on Twitter, I say, ah, they're they're bluffing on that. But uh, you see, yeah, they don't want they don't want free speech, and they can the billionaire oligarchs they'll find some way to to make it hard, you know. But up uh, up, uh, let's have a sense of humor. Let's let's try to bring a little sense of humor back to the oligarchs who uh, seem to seem to lack that entirely. At any rate, three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one is the phone number. Thank you for all of the text-to-studio coming in, and I'm able to respond here and there to a few of them, but if you uh, are able to keep those coming on in, it it is sure very helpful. The wall of love, I like to call it. I wanted to mention a thing or two about our energy crisis, about a diesel crisis that could be hitting America, and um, just get a little information in about that. Because it's a very big deal, and um, some people are saying that we have like 25 days of supplies left with our diesel inventory in this country. And if that, uh, I mean, Zero had just seen that, Tucker Carlson did a segment on that last night. But if we start running out of diesel, that is, that's a big hairy furball there. And what would that do to our economy? And again, uh, Tell you what, Leroy, uh, you, you've been a diesel. You know your way around diesel, right? Uh, for how many years driving a big rig? 35 years. 35 years. Um, over a million plus miles? Three and a half million. Three and a half million miles. How much of that on diesel? All of it? All of it. All of it, yep. Well, 
I will get into that in just a moment. But it's it's just kind of occurring to me, and I was saying this earlier, that the people in charge of the country and what uh, what some people call the crooks, in like Darren Beatty called the crooks that are running our country right now, they, they hatch these plans. They have these visions for how we're going to like change the way we use energy. We're going to change the way we eat food. We're going to change the way we run our economy. And I'll tell you what, all of these plans seem to um, be falling flat and seem to be ex- definitely not impressing the voters of the United States of America and even, you know, around the world. And, uh, you know, when, when your plan first has contact with reality, um, a lot of people say it's not going to survive. And um, let's see, uh, Neil, uh, what's his last, has a, has, a, uh, has a, Neil Oliver has a little comment on this that I thought, was kind of apropos for the moment, how the, the plans of the globalists, the plans of the leftists, the plans of these people are falling flat on all fronts. And energy is like maybe one of the most conspicuous ones. Inflation, of course, is another. But let's hear Neil Oliver at least introduce this concept. Boxing legend Mike Tyson said everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Some or other military mind of ages past, Wellington, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Sun Tzu, take your pick said no plan survives contact with the enemy, which is saying the same thing about sudden blows to tender parts. For those alarmed by talk of punches, let me stress that I refer in what follows only to blows metaphorical and not literal. Hard-earned wisdom like that from Tyson and the rest is always worth remembering, but those words are especially relevant now. The game's afoot, as Sherlock Holmes said. Yes, the game is afoot, and uh, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. In this case, the enemy of the people on top is reality. Reality itself. Neil Oliver, by the way, is a commentator from Scotland. He's on GB News, where Mark Stein hangs out these days. The great Mark Stein. Remember when he used to fill in for Rush Limbaugh? Those were the ones you had to listen to when Mark Stein filled in if, if Rush was out. Oh, we miss Rush Limbaugh. Was he not the best? By the way, I like to think that my political compass is rather Rush Limbaugh-like, if I can just throw that out there. Back in the days when Limbaugh was hosting, we would do our Backbone show on Sunday, and then I would listen to Rush Limbaugh on Monday, and I would see how much of what I covered on Backbone on Sunday did Limbaugh cover in the same way, maybe better, or maybe even sometimes worse, than I did the day before on Backbone, and it was usually uh, pretty square. Anyway, just throwing that out there as an aside. But we've got uh, some of these plans, these best laid plans of the left, not seeming to be working out at all like they expected. Which, by the way, as Thomas Sowell will point out over the years, um, intellectuals tend to have this experience quite a lot. (laughs) The theoreticians, the professors... The philosophers, the people who, you know, live in their abstract realms of thought and tweaking their models and so forth, when reality starts intruding, they tend to find that all of a sudden, oh, things aren't working out, or moreover, that like they've created some real crises. They've created some real problems. I've talked about the cold winter coming to Europe, and um, it's kind of already there. They're a lot further north than us, right? Forget how much further north Europe is than us. And um, in Germany, they're hoarding firewood. In Austria, they're hoarding firewood. Poland, they're hoarding firewood because they're having a heating oil shortage, natural gas shortage, this Ukraine brainstorm 
from the people on the left, from the military-industrial complex, that's creating a lot of additional energy problems to some pre-existing energy problems. I'm not a fan of this whole Ukraine enterprise. I've been clear on that one. I don't know how many billions upon billions we need to be sending to the borders of another country when we're beleaguered enough as it is right here in America. At any rate, somebody, somebody tweeted, you're so modest. And uh, yes, yes, of course, any comparison to Rush Limbaugh is, uh, is, of course, preposterous and ridiculous. But I just pointed out at least the same like uh, moral compass going on. OK, not the same capacities as host. <laughs> yeah, I would I would rate myself like, what, two percent of a, a Limbaugh at any rate. Yeah. Thank you for that. Keeping me uh, keeping me in line there. But just in, in this in the realm of um, Germany, I, I saw this news um, and this is in the Balkan Green Energy News dot com website. It's also in The Guardian that a wind farm is being dismantled in Germany. Yeah, a wind farm in Germany is being dismantled to expand a coal mine. Oh, interesting. And uh, the leftist UK Guardian has an op-ed, came out yesterday. Stop dismantling German wind farm to expand coal mine. <laughs> Activists say deconstruction of Kienberg turbines undermines government's climate pledge. But winter is coming in Germany. Winter is coming. They're hoarding firewood in Germany. Um, it's farther north. They're going to get cold. They're worried about it. And so out go the windmills, and um, they're going to expand the coal mine. Huh. Does that fall under the uh, best laid plans of the World Economic Forum climate crowd? And then there I am reading another um, piece in propaganda media, the BBC News. And this is uh, yesterday, this story. It's about Svalbard. You know that little island in Norway that's kind of up there in the Arctic Circle, really far north up there? Well, there's a big article in uh, BBC News. It's headlined, Svalbard, the race to save the fastest warming place on Earth. And it's a, uh, a long, sort of a forlorn, um, kind of a sad article about um, some scientists saying that, you know, hey, things are really warming in Svalbard and is making it tough on the polar bears and other animals and so forth. And, um, you know, uh, but I, I read the whole thing all the way through, and then I see this bit of news pop up at the end of this article, and it says um, from the BBC journalists that there is a big new development. Two weeks after they visited Svalbard and did their forlorn research about climate change and it's warming up there, according to the scientists. Um, they said that there's a big new development and that the uh, Norway is now delaying the closure of a coal mine up there in Svalbard, which is apparently the last remaining functioning coal mine in Norway. And it was uh, slated to be closed by the Norwegian mining company called Store Norske, but they said, uh, and this is the BBC article, says, Europe's energy crisis makes it a more profitable operation now. So, interesting. Um, you've got this expanding coal mine in Germany getting rid of the wind farm. And now you've got, in Norway, they're keeping the coal mine open in Svalbard um, as winter comes in. Um 
It kind of makes you wonder if these World Economic Forum-inspired Build Back Better individuals are falling back on fossil fuels um, at a moment when winter comes, when reality comes, when here comes winter. Um, And falling back on fossil fuels, is that what Joe Biden is doing by draining the heck out of our strategic petroleum reserve? He's, He's draining that thing down to the negs. And that is kind of a big deal. I mean, if we are on a war footing with Russia over Ukraine and we don't have a strategic petroleum reserve to fall back on, maybe that's not good. I am not appreciating the spectacle of Joe Biden out there begging the Saudis for more oil. Begging the Saudis. I mean, again, Trump brought this nation energy independence. And it is a complete calamity what the Democrats, what Biden have done to our energy independence. And now here we are draining the strategic oil reserve to manipulate the economics of it before an election. How cynical is that? The Again, the green energy people falling back on fossil fuels to save their bacon for an election. Is that sad? Is that maybe even a little bit pathetic? Apparently, Saudi energy minister Abdulaziz, this is last, Abdulaziz, that's quite a name, a lot of pizzazz in that name, Adulaziz says this, that people are depleting their emergency stocks and using them to manipulate the market when their original purpose was to alleviate supply shortages. But again, Biden team shows up first day. They, they, they ban the you know, uh, additional energy exploration and so forth. They, they made it hard to get oil. And they, they, next thing you know, our energy independence is gone. And then, you know, before an election, he's out there draining the reserves and trying to beg the Saudis for more oil. And the Saudis are not impressed by that. And Venezuela doesn't pick up the phone when Biden calls begging for more oil. I just don't think these are proud moments for the globalists, uh, the, the people who want to change the way we consume energy and food and everything else. I think that these are like uh, brainstorms that are not ready for prime time. They're, they're falling flat. And I'm not saying I'm opposed to green energy and alternative forms of energy. I think that there should be a place for all that and that should be blended in. But maybe gradually, like maybe not like all of a sudden, uh, and maybe for our own national security sake, we should have a sturdy amount and access to fossil fuel so we can have our energy independence to maintain our strength as a nation, especially when there's all this talk about the potential risk of World War III coming upon us right now. Does that make sense to one and all out there? I, I think it I think it should. I really do think it should. And um, then we get to diesel. And I'll get to diesel here in a second. But um, why don't we, you know, Josh Hawley was talking about uh, energy policy as well. And let's hear his uh, follow-up commentary from what I just played. You know, you would think, Tucker, but you would also think that it wouldn't make a lot of sense to shut down this nation's principal source or one of its principal sources of wealth, of jobs. And I think what's really going on here with the Biden administration is this is a religion to them. The climate agenda is a religion to them. And the religion is that America is fundamentally bad and that the American way of life, particularly American workers, and middle-class families that the way that they live is bad and that it needs to change. They don't like people driving around in cars. They don't like the suburbs. They don't like all the energy we use. Why? Because they don't like how we live. They want to change how we live. So the real targets of their war are the American people and the American middle class and working class. And I have to say, if that's their goal, it is succeeding because they are crippling this country. And I think that's why you're going to see voters in a couple of weeks say no more. Yep. 
I think that's what's going to be happening. Because the plan of the globalist elite has met reality, and reality has found those plans wanting, to put it mildly. And the voters as well have found those plans wanting. Now, just setting up some uh, some diesel concepts. I might come back with that. I just had a text to studio um, from uh, from Tim, who says aloha to my uh, my brother Stefan. Says hey, thanks for filling in. Hey, I'm glad to be here. But some might not notice at the pumps that many stations do not have diesel for sale. Most of us only notice the unleaded. Thank you for that concept, which uh, ties right into this. That um, Major fuel supplier is now on code red as diesel crisis hits the southeast. Huh. Um, This is from Zero Hedge. A company called Mansfield says that conditions are rapidly devolving and market economics are changing rapidly each day. And uh, code red on diesel inventory. I'm looking at some charts here that our diesel supply has never been lower at this time of year. And, uh, yeah, the real crisis is diesel inventories. Zero Hedge is saying the U.S. right now has just 25 days left. Let's talk about that when we come back. That, that, is, that is a big, hairy deal and um, not a good sign and kind of fits into our overarching themes here. But I'll tell you what, it's Matt Dunn. I'm in for Stefan Tubbs. It's break time. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Jerry Lewis has passed on Jerry Lee Lewis at the age of 87, has passed away earlier today in Mississippi. And I thought we might bring in some Jerry Lee tunes here as this hour carries on. And I say, I have always loved Jerry Lee Lewis. He was born in 1935 in Faraday, Louisiana. And passed away today in DeSoto County, Mississippi. And I'll tell you what, um, if you watch that new Top Gun movie, which my 10-year-old son thinks is the greatest movie ever made, uh, next to Thor. He thinks Thor is the best, but Top Gun is second best. Anyway, they do that little rendition of Great Balls of Fire, in which whoever the actor is that plays Goose's son sings Great Balls of Fire. And when I do the swim meets, uh, DJing the swim meets uh, in the summers, Everyone wants to hear that great Balls of Fire song. And so Jerry Lee, um, he's one of our standards for bumper music on Backbone Radio on Sundays. By the way, it's Matt Dunn in for Stefan Tubbs. I need to keep pointing that out. And the phone number is 303-696-1971. But Jerry Lee Lewis, he came up with Elvis Presley, came up with Johnny Cash, came up with Carl Perkins, Chuck Berry. Some of those musical legends that got going in the 50s and then ended up having these big, long careers all the way. And their music still sounds so fresh, so good. A golden era in American music. Was it Sam Perkins? Ran uh, Sun Records out of Memphis, Tennessee. And put together that album, one of my favorites, that's uh, the Million Dollar Quartet where he brought in his biggest stars at the time. I believe this, what was this, 56, 57, 58, somewhere in there. Had Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley, Carl Perkins, and Jerry Lee Lewis. And they just got together. They are all home. They were all in Memphis 
area a little bit together uh, around one Christmas, put an album together with some great gospel songs, some great Americana, and just some improvised riffs and so forth. But Jerry Lee, Jerry Lee, um, a total legend. And, uh, you know, has anybody ever played piano like that dude? Like that dude from Louisiana? Don't know where he got any of that, but um, 87 years old. And, yeah, Great Balls of Fire, a whole lot of shaking going on. Uh, he called himself uh, the Killer, or at least that was his his nickname. Um, rockabilly, do you like rockabilly? I like the um, Jerry Lee Lewis country phase where he did the honky tonk sound for several decades. Boy, he could do some honky tonk, and I've got a few gospel numbers which uh, which maybe will will play up here in just a little bit. But ah, uh, oh, hate to lose Jerry Lee. I guess we can't we can't just keep at it forever now, can we? If anybody could, it would be Jerry Lee Lewis. Pretty long lifespan for a rock and roller, and he didn't always have the most wholesome lifestyle, and that's not the kind of stuff we need to be talking about on the day that he he checks out and flies away. Maybe we'll play that one. Have a text to studio come in. Jerry Lee Lewis is related to Jimmy Swaggart. Did not notice that. Did not know that, I should say. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, Jerry Lee, uh, talk about an American original with all of the rest of those other names that they came up with. And, and uh, as, he, as he got on in years, they called him the mean old man because he was, uh, I guess, he just, he just got tougher as the years went by and kept putting out a bunch of good tunes. And I've got, so I've got a recent one that maybe we'll come in with next from Jerry Lee Lewis. But I was just in midstream on the, on the diesel shortage business, and... Um, Again, Zero Hedge has been all over this for several months, actually, saying that, hey, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about draining the strategic petroleum reserve, the total fiasco from Biden. But the thing you really need to look at is the uh, the diesel shortage. And there's an organization called the EIA. And um, I can't see in this article from Zero Hedge what the EIA stands for, so I apologize for that. But it's probably some organization that keeps tabs on diesel supplies, diesel inventory. But according to the EIA, the U.S. now has just 25 days of diesel supply, the lowest since 2008. And while inventories are record low, the four-week rolling average of distillates supplied, a proxy for demand, rose to its highest seasonal level since 2007. So we've got a record low supply meeting a record high demand on the diesel front, folks. Folks, and we're just, you know, I was talking to Leroy. He's done 3.5 million miles, all of it in diesel, driving a truck across this great heartland of ours. But let's hear, um, let's hear what Tucker Carlson had to say about this last night. This needs to be on people's radar. Diesel shortage? Now, if you want to fix the economy, you would make this country energy independent once again. You would bring back cheap energy. That will fix the economy quicker than anything else. In fact, it's the only thing that will fix the economy. But the Biden administration, for whatever reason, has done the opposite, depleting our strategic petroleum reserve, for example. They just released another 15 million barrels the other day. Because they know that's running out. The White House is also begging foreign governments for help in the most humiliating possible way. Biden just went and begged the Saudis in secret for more oil. As The New York Times reported this week, Biden's top aides, quote, thought they had struck a secret deal to boost oil production through the end of the year. 
But then the Saudi royal family decided not to go along with it. They're not ramping up their oil production. They're doing the opposite. Saudi's oil minister is now telling the West to brace for energy shortages. Watch this. It is my profound duty to make it clear to the world that losing emergency stock may become painful in the months to come. So an energy shortage is not really a debate over whether some dude should be on the girls' swim team. This is adult stuff. Countries rise and fall on the basis of what energy costs. And when there's a real energy shortage, things fall apart. People die, economies collapse, poverty sets in, systemic poverty. Not just in the bad part of town, but in your part of town. So it's like serious business. Serious business. And the clip I just played didn't address diesel in specific, but let me hit that clip right now. And he brings in a little Kamala Harris Kamala Harris is talking about how she loves yellow school buses, but she doesn't want them to be diesel. Um, it's some of the most uh, childish commentary, you know, in a very adult situation with energy shortages and crises. Let's hear Tucker get into that real quick. How's Kamala Harris responding to all of this? Well, she's responding to diesel shortage by telling you diesel's bad. Watch. I have a particular fondness, I must tell you, for electric school buses. I love electric school buses. (laughs) On a daily basis, 25 million children in our country every day go to school on those diesel-fueled school buses. And hundreds, thousands of school bus drivers are driving those buses, which are then these people... These children, these adults, are inhaling what is toxic air. So the lady who never had children is lecturing you about children. The person who's never had a real job is lecturing you about energy policy. The woman who told you masks would stop COVID is telling you about diesel fumes and their effect on your body. This is a joke. The truth is these people are bumping Right smack up against reality. And here's the reality. We have 25 days to avert economic catastrophe. Catastrophe is what will happen if we run out of diesel fuel. That's more important than prosecuting a jihad in Ukraine. It's more important than World War trans. Everything depends on this. And we've got 25 days to fix it. 25 days to fix a diesel shortage. This Sounds like it should be headline news in America and around the world if we come grinding to a halt for not having diesel. And I'll tell you what, um, again, Texas Studio said that he goes to gas stations and he sees a lot of gas stations don't have diesel for sale. Some people don't notice that because they don't have diesel engines. But man, what would that do? If the geniuses, the crooks running our economy and massively pushing and subsidizing green energy, then we somehow run out of diesel. And again, in Germany, they're just knocking out a wind farm to expand coal. And in Svalbard, Norway, they're maintaining that coal mine up there because of Europe's energy crisis. Huh. I have a feeling that this is like a bigger deal than uh, folks are quite aware of just yet. And so I'm going to be watching this like a hawk Let's get to some phone action. And uh, on this diesel shortage, Brian in Arvada, thanks for checking in, Brian. Welcome. Hey, welcome, Matt. Hey, uh, can you get any dumber than Kamali? I mean, seriously. 
Yeah. I thought she had a problem with the uh, buses. Anyhow, I thought Biden during the primary, I guess she couldn't get on a bus or something. I can't remember. Yeah, she's she's must be like into that song. The wheels on the bus go round and round or something. Yeah, just total juvenility. She is an embarrassment as a vice president. I just have to say. Yeah, Yeah. the whole thing's stupid. But uh, but is it a processing? um, As far as the processing plants that actually turn fuel into diesel i don't know how the process works but how, how did we end up with a shortage yeah so we could run out in 25 days i don't quite understand it i just heard the little clip yeah um i don't i guess understand about it but i think diesel does take less processing um to make it's a little raw uh form of fuel and uh in the stuff i brought in i guess i don't have uh i don't have data on on those mechanics but uh, it does, you know, it does relate to uh, just the lack of oil, the lack of oil supply that has been uh, sort of mandated by the Biden regime. Hmm. But they can still put out gasoline, but the diesel, and why would diesel be more expensive if it's, if it's less, uh, if it's more raw yeah. and easier to... Yep, you're asking, you're asking good questions there. on that, but that, uh, and sometimes diesel, it used to be that it was always cheaper than gasoline. Um, and then sometimes it goes that. the other way. Yeah, I remember the days. Do you remember the 80s, 90s? Diesel was cheaper. There was a lot more diesel yeah, cars diesel belching smoke cheaper. driving up uh, Eisen- to Eisenhower Tunnel. You could always tell those diesels back in the days, yeah, right? Yeah, you'd always have the guys with the car with the diesel. You remember the diesel engine? I think it was uh, either Mercedes or BMW. I can't remember. Yeah, Mercedes had a lot of the diesel action going on back then. So, um but, uh, but man, I, if those truckers can't run, it's it's bad news. That means instant food shortage. I mean, that's just instant panic everywhere. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, apparently, I mean, at I Bloomberg, after the midterm, the the Bloomberg uh, news uh, energy strategist notes this that quote the timing of today's diesel crisis couldn't be worse. Um, and, uh, boy, that, that makes sense to me. But by the way, Biden's out there blaming, uh, refiners and retailers because they're quote, making record profits at the expense of the vast majority of the America of Americans is unacceptable. He caused this structural situation and he wants to blame mom and pop retailers own a gas station. Uh, how yeah, off is they that? They don't even make money on, they don't even make money on fuel. They make money on all the goodies they sell yeah, inside. Well, you but- buy your Doritos in there or something, right? I have yeah. a feeling after the midterm, this is just my prediction. I'm going to lay it out here tonight. Fuel is going to go way up. Your normal fuel that you put in your car, your heating bill, which is already skyrocket, is going to skyrocket more. I think they're going to turn up the heat after the midterm. So prepare yourselves is what I say. But. Well, and apparently Biden sent signals to the Saudis that he wants more oil before the election to help massage the prices, but was indicating he doesn't really care what happens after November. So, ooh. Look out below. Look out above. Yeah. When uh, when yeah, that starts I, hitting, so it's it's a mess, Brian. Get hit pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. That's our geniuses running the show these days. But I'll tell you but what, it does feel a little bit good. It feels a little bit better. It feels like this red wave. If they don't cheat too much, that's we'll just have to wait and see on their cheating abilities. Yeah, you know, just you never vote. Know what they have in the pipeline. Just vote and uh, try to encourage other people to vote. Who. Uh, might potentially be like-minded, and let's just see what happens. But vote with a little feeling of confidence, knowing that uh, we got some wins at our back, big time. But, Brian, thank you, my man. You stay close, sir. Let's say a little hey to Greg in Denver. Hello, Greg. Hey, Matt. Good job tonight. Hey, honored to have you here. 
the uh, I think the big October surprise, and we I haven't heard much about it, but it's the railroad strike, the railroad operators strike. That's going to be the final Jenga block to bring oh. down this house of cards because, you know, the railroads move diesel and the locomotives use diesel. You think we had a supply chain problem before? Oh, my gosh. When And I think whether it's right or wrong, the, the, locomotive, the, um, the railroad unions have us by the gonads and they're going to squeeze up until we say uncle and we're going to give them anything they want because that you think, you think the supply chain problem was a problem before you look at all those, those uh, tracks down off of uh, Santa Fe that are moving thousands and thousands of cars of diesel around with, Hmm. with locomotives that use diesel. And yes, it is right. Diesel is much easier and much cheaper to produce than gasoline, much less refining. So this is all manufactured. And, you know, speaking of Kamala, uh, I think that she is the best insurance policy for uh, the, the uh, puppet in chief. You know, it makes you, know? you not want to impeach Biden very much, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's the best insurance yeah. policy he's got. Yeah. And, you know, did you see the, the, the hot mic discussion he had with Shermer today? Yeah, I about, saw that. Uh, and, and he's going like, Herschel who? Yeah. Herschel, by the way, apparently, according to the People's Pundit, one of the most reliable pollsters out there, says Herschel Walker has 65% chance of winning in Georgia. And again, that's that's just dampening all confidence and enthusiasm on the left right now. Looks like Herschel's going to come out on top. Looks like Blake Masters come out on top in Arizona. And we're just, you know, we're pulling for Colorado. Hopefully that red wave is big enough to get us over. I'm enjoying watching. Democrats run around with their hair on fire. It's absolute. I mean, I know it's bad for the country in the short term, but it's fun to watch because yeah. they their desperation it's, it's is well so earned. apparent. It's well earned. It's so apparent. Right on. Well, Greg, thank you for checking in. You it's bet. Break time here, and I'll tell you what. Should we go out with just a little Jerry Lee? Just a little Jerry Lee. Um, here, let, let's hear this one. Uh, R.I.P. Jerry Lee Lewis. As we head into this break. Jerry Lee, flying away, age 87, American musical legend. Not always the most wholesome individual, but what an American. He could sure play that piano. He wrote some brilliant songs. And when he wanted to, he could really sing a gospel tune. Let me tell you, I'll fly away. Matt Dunn, I'm in for Stephen Tubbs. Let's give this a few seconds and we'll, we'll do the break. Little more Jerry Lee Lewis bringing us in. Extra credit if you know who's the backup vocalist on this tune. You know that voice. You've known it your whole life. Singing backup for Jerry Lee on this number. And I'm trying to drag it out a little bit. 
Hear that? Yep, yep, that's Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger singing with Jerry Lee Lewis there. That's a good little tune. It's an old Rolling Stones number. As, yeah, we uh, we give a salute to Jerry Lee Lewis passing away today at the age of 87. On Sunday, Backbone Radio, 4 to 7 p.m., I'll be in here playing a lot of Jerry Lee. A little bit more biographical detail on Jerry Lee. And I'll bring out some extra tunes from The Killer, is what he called himself, or at least what other people called him. At any rate, I'm off to the phone lines here. But, yeah, just, uh, you know, hey, red wave, red tsunami, what are we going to have? Or is election integrity still a concern? Kudos, all kudos for Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. Priceless. Free speech is priceless in this country, in this world. And by the way, I just wanted to work this one in. um, Some talk about 2024. Will Trump run again? Will he be reinstated on Twitter? Will he want to even come on if he do? But uh, a lot of people are pushing Ron DeSantis to be the next uh, Republican nominee. And I think uh, Karl Rove is kind of in that category, but he's been formally endorsed by Jeb Bush, Paul Ryan, David Frum, and a whole host of uh, strange warmonger neoconservative establishment types. But uh, Megan Kelly has a few things to say about that. She thinks, hey, it's going to be Trump. If Trump wants it, he's going to win the primary, and that's just the deal. Get used to it. If they got on a stage, you, you don't think that DeSantis is, is crafty enough or no. stands enough? To, really? No. I don't even think that a little. Um, I think Trump sucks up all the energy in every room, no matter what. And even someone is skilled as a politician and smart policy-wise, as DeSantis can't overcome that. He can't. You really think the hardcore MAGA is going to abandon Trump or DeSantis? They're not. They they like DeSantis, but they don't think it's his turn. They think Trump was screwed out of his last election, that he was screwed out of his first term by all the craziness, the Russia gate and so on. And they think he's he is entitled. He deserves another shot at it. Like the hardcore Trump faithful is unshakable. They like DeSantis, but they would never cross Trump for him. And they think that DeSantis owes his political career to Trump. Like if forced to choose, they will choose Trump. So DeSantis can't take him down. It's like the line in War Games. The only winning move is not to play. DeSantis has got to either be crowned by Trump um, or he shouldn't run. He won't win over Trump. I'll stand by that. You can play it against me if I'm wrong, but I won't be. Yeah. So Megyn Kelly. Megyn Kelly, very firm on that one. But we'll see if we end up having much of a disruption within the Republican Party for 2024. I know we're thinking about 2022, but what a striking set of statements. And since this is kind of the reality hour, about the reality of energy, when the rubber meets the road, diesel shortages and all that, the green energy plans falling flat right before an election. Well, I think what Megyn Kelly said just then in that string of comments connects very closely with reality. And I do think, uh, you know, a lot of the folks you, you read and you, you, you follow, the commentators who don't see it, well, they might need a little dose of reality, you know. Let's say hey to Rick in, in, uh, in Denver. Rick, glad you're here. Maybe you thought about diesel? Well, yeah, thankfully you mentioned that because uh, people think, you know, because it's got a little smoke to the exhaust, that it's, I mean, it's one of the least, supposed to be, and I'm no authority, one of the most least, it's less damaging than other fuels, really. And so they, since they can manufacture it pretty readily, like this last caller mentioned, yeah, it's it's kind of a, why are they holding, why are they not doing a lot more of the production of it? Because the trucks run on it, it's going to put people's hearts and minds at rest here to get the supplies built up. 
Yeah, and start putting the start already... Republic replenishing them, and also it possibly it does endanger national security to not have a lot of oil in reserve like the totally in originally original intent. And, and you know, people, it's like they want to neglect national security here internally. Yeah, that that is a fact. Well, but then how about, uh, how about Rick, the uh, requisitioning in the airport? You know, there's a lot of uh, army would, bases here in North well, America that are the federal government owns. Well, I, without uh, diesel, I mean, uh, the supply chain goes from a problem to like uh, end of the road. And I'll tell you what, I keep going, but it's like the end of the show. And should we uh, go out with a little Jerry Had a few people text in, said Mick Jagger. They got it. They knew the voice. Far away, still an old. Yeah, the old rugged cross from Jerry Lee Lewis. And shame. Taking us to the wire. And I love that old cross. Where the dearest and best all the world lost. Sinners were slain. I did not know that Jerry Lee was from Louisiana. I thought he was from Mississippi, but I guess that's just where he lived. Most of his life. Apparently, for a brief time, Jerry Lee Lewis, 1958, was a contender to replace Elvis Presley as rock's prime hit maker. After Elvis went off to join the army. And you can't imagine the guy who's had, you know, more controversy. Actually, I remember my parents telling me that they they saw Jerry Lee Lewis in concert one night. And that was back when uh, he was drinking. And that by the end of the show, he could hardly even get a word out. And so, you know, it's, that's not the kind of stuff we need to mention right now. But uh, big salute to Jerry Lee moving on. And he, this, this, by the way, could be... My favorite version the of the old rugged cross. I'll ever be true. That shame and reproach gladly bear. Yes, he'll call me someday. And that day was today. My home far away. Far away. Where is glory? His glory. Glory be. Elsa and ever and ever I'll share. The old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown there we go. Wanted to work in some obituary tributes to Jerry Lee Lewis. And again, the old rugged cross. So that's my favorite version of it. And by the way, I had a text to the studio about um, the EIA, Energy Information Administration, Department of Energy's Energy Information Administration. That's the organization that is pointing out that America has about 25 days worth of diesel fuel at the moment. And that's the lowest level the national stockpile has seen in well over a decade. Anyway, Matt Dunn, honored to have a moment to just come in and share some thoughts with Stefan Tubbs, the great Tubbs listenership here, 4 to 7 p.m. I'll be back on Sunday. Sunday, yes, 4 to 7 p.m. for Backbone Radio. 
Looking forward to it already. Thanks for having me, and what hospitality, Leroy. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.